0: Father, afresh for the privilege to share in the context of your church. Indeed, I praise uh, your name, hence the privilege. Bless my mind now, God, with uh, freshness and fluency. I pray that you, uh, God, would give fluidity to my tongue. Indeed, spirit of the living God, anew, fall afresh. In the blessed name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Well, if you don't mind, just for the sake of knowing that we are present this morning, why don't you give God a hand clap of praise with me? Let's bless bless his name. I am extremely humbled and awed to be present. What a gravid gift of presence it is to be among you. And of course, I honor the wonderful leadership, indeed, the palpable ability of our moderator, Pastor Barber, what a a leader he is, and indeed, uh, what a brother beloved uh, he is. And to that end, I say to him publicly, what I've said to him personally, thank you for the privilege. This morning, I am overwhelmed. Uh, Greatness is perhaps uh, my privilege this morning. I, I was not looking for the presence of of my pastor, he, he's so uh, busy and of course I recognize that, uh, but to have him present this morning is indeed no less than a gravid gift. Pastor Davison, I honor you, thank you for your presence. And of course, uh, if that's not enough, to look out and see our first lady at the Newman Olive Baptist Church, uh, Sister Davison. I'm so honored that you are present. And then to to have some of the staff members from the New Mount Olive Church, I am just so overwhelmed. Uh, For Kenneth, it's good to see you. I want to honor uh, the leaders, and of course to Sister Williams, and what a privilege always to be in your presence, and to all of these preachers, uh, luminaries, and of course, I pray that that will be inclusively engaging of all. Here's what I want to do for the next uh, few days. I want to go ahead and, uh, and project my trajectory, uh, hence uh, perhaps what I feel led uh, to share with you. I find much substance in the rubric, hence the thematic thrust uh, of, of this week, and of course it is envisioning the future exceptionally uh, through faith through faith and i want to say just a word today about about that i want to call your attention to the apostle paul's second letter to the corinthians that is second corinthians i want to focus on chapter four and of course Chapter four is where I will residentially spend this, this week or the next few days. While looking at chapter four, it was clear to me that really to link up with the language of chapter three was so pivotal and so imperative. So what I wanna do is I wanna look at chapter three, verse 18, and of course uh, we'll continue reading into chapter four of verse one chapter three reading from the new american standard version of holy writ chapter three verse 18 listen to the reading of the text but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. Verse one chapter four, therefore since we have this ministry as we received mercy we do not lose heart but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame not walking in the craftiness uh, or adulterating the word of God but by the manifestation of truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said let light shi- shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Look with me again at verse one. Therefore since we have this ministry as we received mercy uh, we do not lose heart it is clear from the language of the apostle paul the parlance is palpable. indeed it is buoyant it is quite lucid it is quite clear paul says that ministry by its very nature can be stressful can be straining, can be draining, can be strenuous. By its very nature, ministry can be exhausting. Here's here's what he says. We do not lose heart. For just a moment, I want to talk because I believe that if you have engaged in this ministry and there is a specificity to the sort of ministry that perhaps we are called to but Paul says that if you engage in this ministry ministry is not easy and of course I would poll the room this morning and if truth be told, at some pivotal point in the pilgrimage of ministry, you have felt like throwing in the towel. There's not a person here this morning, if you would tell the truth, that ministry has not had its wear and tear on you to the end that you were tempted to give up wow. literally to surrender, abandon, hence, to leave your calling now just so that i 'm not by myself, is there anybody here that ministry has frustrated to the end that you thought about it, contemplated, might fact you almost made the call. You had written the resignation somewhere between presentation of resignation, you had hesitation. Now, is there anybody here I'm talking to? I thought I was talking to the right crowd. Paul says that ministry has the capacity to eviscerate, indeed. To literally, gutlessly engage one. That is to suggest that ministry will literally take your guts from you. Where at one point you had some guts, indeed. At one point you had some boldness. At one point you had some courage. But ministry, Paul says, this ministry has the capacity to deplete you, hence debilitate you. So I know I'm not by myself. So I want to talk for just a moment. It was perhaps 1865. It was a pastor conference. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon speaking to his students at the pastor's college that he founded himself. And he had much to say to his students. But he said this perhaps I think is seminally and it's worth submitting to you. He said that it is faith in God that one honors his calling, hear this, to the end that whenever one walks in faith, honoring his calling or commission, he will never walk in cowardice, suggesting that whenever the minister, whenever the leader, whenever the laborer is of a cowardice spirit, hence faith is dismissed. It is our faith that emboldens us. It is our faith that keeps us perpetually encouraged. It is our faith that keeps us energized, galvanized. It is our faith that keeps us in the spirit of an incendiary reality. It is our faith. Now I want you to wake up for just a moment. I promise you that I will not be long. But, But I will talk to the church for just a moment because this whole business of envisioning The future, exceptionally, by faith, is a challenge for us. It is a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to move beyond, perhaps, pretty parlancing to the praxis of ministry, hence the praxis of embodying what it really means to be church. Some years ago, Mark Driscoll wrote a book and he titled the book, A Call to Resurgence, in which of course, I just like the title of the book. It's A Call to Resurgence, and he says to us, it's for us, funeral or future, you choose. And, And I want to talk, because there are many churches who are now risking the future he, he, hear this, because we are dying, not understanding the purpose for which faith has been deposited. There's something to be said about Tom Rayner, uh, who just wrote a book, and he titled the book uh, Scrappy Church. I like the title, Scrappy Church. And, and of course... Uh, He throws out uh, just a a litany of synonyms, a scrappy church, and of course he says that a scrappy church is a church that is tenacious, and of course you understand scrappy, tenacious, dogged, persistent, he he says determined, and at the end of of it he says a scrappy church is a church that is determined to hang in there come hell or high water. You, 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 you're gonna scrap. <laughs> now, 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 listen. I don't know what kind of church you are, but if you have a future, you're gonna to have to become a scrappy church. You're gonna to have to hang in. You, you have to hang in there. You, you have to become a scrappy church. If not, you're gonna have a funeral before you have a future. Now, now, now our problem is. We, we don't quite understand the future. That, that's our problem. We don't have, and if you don't understand the future, perhaps you'll compromise the future with your laxity presently where you are. Now what that suggests is, that there are so many folk who would say that when I could, I did, now I can't, I'm going to sit. Wow. You don't understand the future. T.S. Eliot would give us a sense of the future by suggesting to us poetically that when you look at the future, you have to factor in time past, time present. He says, if you're going to reach time future. Because in time future, he says, is both time past and time present. And, and if you don't understand Time past Hear me You're not going to be efficient In time present Amen. And if you don't understand Time past And time present You won't be efficient In time future now, now, now the problem is There's so many of us Who are trying to hold on To the past Amen. So we ain't no good For the present Amen. And hence the church Is in trouble With his future Reggie MacNeil writes a book and he titles it, Our Present Future, Our Present Future. And, and what, he, what he literally says is that, that most of us perhaps don't understand time, not even chronologically he suggests, not even to mention kairos, he says but we don't understand chronos, suggesting that, that you cannot savor or dichotomize or bifurcate, hear this, your present and your future he, he says our future is present yeah. now, now he, he, here it is if, if you want a good empirical reality check I want to tell you all you got to do is look around because yeah. if you look around what he simply says is that our future is present yeah. okay I'm talking to myself I might as well say it again. I'm going to say it again. He says, our future is present. Right, right, right. O- okay, now you hoping that they're going to come in later. You hope that perhaps uh, somehow you're going to win. He says, our future is present. Somebody say, our future is present. Our future is present. Now, now, if perhaps with that kind of scrutiny, that kind of survey, if you believe that your future is present, what kind of future are you looking at? Say with me again, our future future is present. A few things I want to lift. So, as to suggest to the preacher, to suggest to the church, you got to be scrappy, to use the language of Tom Rayner. You can't give up, you cannot throw in the towel. And I don't care what it looks like because when you look at the context, what you discover is it didn't look so good for Paul. In fact, Paul felt like a failure. He felt like a failure. He felt like a failure. Perhaps the church was not growing uh, as exponentially as he thought it should. He felt like a failure. Maybe I'm talking to somebody here, sitting here. You feel like a failure. Maybe you've been at your church extensively. Maybe you've tried to do ministry expansively. But maybe you're discouraged because when you walk in on Wednesday, hence when you walk in on Sunday, very few people are are present. Let me encourage you for just a moment. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, since we have this ministry. He says, we, "We've received it by mercy, but nonetheless, we have it." Yeah. Now, 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 the first thing that, that, that I want to talk to, to you about is the fact that, that, that we have we have this ministry. Yeah. Say with me, we have this ministry. Have this ministry. Now, 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 that means nothing unless... Definitively, we distill what kind of ministry we have. Yeah. Now, that's the first thing we we got. We got to distill definitively what kind of ministry is this we have. Yeah. Now, now, now there is there's a generality to it, and you got to get it. There is a particularity to it, so I don't want you to miss it. But but we have somebody said we have this ministry. We have this ministry. Now, now here it is. He says the reception of the ministry, the receipt of the ministry is such that categorically it diffuses all boasting and bragging. Suggesting that there can be no braggarts about this ministry because you've received it by mercy. Let let me see it again. Paul says that that I am an apostle but, but it's not based upon my pedigree it's not based upon my degree it's not based upon my training hence is not based upon my history or my exposure he says it's sheer mercy mercy now, now look up for just a moment can i tell you i don't care how prominent you perceive yourself to be presently can i tell you if it had not been for mercy yeah. that, that, that you would not have a place in this space can I tell you it's all about mercy somebody say mercy now, Paul understands mercy perhaps better than any because theologically he works out of his conversion experience. Perhaps always the reference for his theological engagements is his conversion experience. Paul is even now working out what took place on the Damascus Road. And, and, and listen, he, he has the language, but, but but at the end of the day, Paul exhaustively engages us in that experience on the Damascus road. Oh, he, sure. he, he says, here it is, the Lord apprehended me graciously, yeah. mercifully. Yeah. The Lord had yeah. mercy on me. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you are in this ministry, let me say categorically again, it's not because of you. It's not because of your pedigree. It's because of his, mercy. you got it. Somebody said mercy. mercy. But what is this ministry? Let me give you this ministry. What is this ministry? In chapter 3, perhaps, he talks about this ministry extensively. In fact, juxtaposition, he talks about the ministry of Moses. and Then, of course, he talks about this ministry. He says, perhaps there are some who can't let go of Moses' ministry. But Moses' ministry, perhaps, was a fading ministry, and it was... Glory, but it was fading. That's that's he said it was Moses ministry, and that was premised on the Mosaic law. It it was law. It was mo somebody said Moses ministry. ministry. But the glory has faded. The glory has faded. The glory has faded. Y'all look up, it has faded, and there's some folk who can't let it go. I'll say again. Moses' ministry here it is fading glory has faded and there's some folk who still can't let it go (laughs) let me just say it again as long as Moses' ministry is prominent in your church can I tell you I don't care How much you revere Moses, Moses' ministry is over, and the glory has faded. We're trying to hold on to past glory. Talking about what us used to be and what us used to do. Can I tell you that any Morriban church holding on to past glory is headed for the cemetery? Somebody said, Moses' ministry. It's gone. So if his ministry is gone, then what ministry is this that we have? Here's Paul. Paul expands now, and I don't have time to expand it. But Paul says here that it's a ministry of the Spirit. It's a ministry of the Spirit. It's a ministry of the Spirit. He says, the latter killeth, but the Spirit gives Life, 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 life. Can can I tell you it's clear? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know why many of our churches are dying. You really don't. You you really don't. You really, you really don't. The letter killeth, but the spirit gives. Hear this. You got to hear this. Whenever you abandon the ministry of the spirit, your church may have heavy weights. But it'll never have life. Okay, I'm going to say it another way. You, you may have the gifts, the talents, you may have the intellectual elasticity, but if you don't have the ministry of the Spirit, there is no... It tickles me to hear people say, well, there was no spirit there today. Here's the point. Because if we don't embrace the ministry of the spirit, there is no life. So let me give it to you. And then I'm finished for this morning. Let me give it to you. Because the ministry of the spirit reflects the ministry of Christ you got to hear this. Hence, we are called to an incarnational ministry. Now, the problem with the church is, hear this, we're not interested in the ministry of Christ. Hence, we want the spirits present, but we ain't interested in the ministry of Christ. The ministry of Christ trumps, hear this, my ministry. Yeah. Okay, I want to say it again. The the, the ministry of Christ trumps my ministry. Now, all I'm really trying to say to the church, you can't have, hear this, you can't have your ministry at the expense of his ministry. And there's so many people who talk about my ministry. Folk leaving churches talking about my ministry. Ministry no no listen you you are an auxiliary leader he, 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 here's the point it, it's not your ministry that th- there is but one ministry in the evangelical church and that is the ministry of Christ and only hear this and only does the spirit of God gives himself to the ministry of Christ He's not interested in your ministry. He's only interested in the ministry of Christ. And if you're not interested in the ministry of Christ, the Holy Spirit is not interested in your ministry. One of the reasons we don't have the operative functionality of the Holy Spirit is too much of my ministry, too much of me, and not enough of him. Whenever we make it the ministry of Jesus, we're going to see life in the church because the Holy Spirit shows up. Wherever the ministry of Jesus is operative and functional, that's where he is most prominent.